This morning, if you have your Bible, open it to the book of 1 Thessalonians. And if you don't have, there may be one in the pew there in front of you. Because I want us to look at chapter 2 this morning, or at least half of chapter 2, and uh, kind of survey this chapter because it, it speaks to us about priorities. Um, if someone were to, well, if I were to ask you, what, what is the main thing in your life? What, what is your number one goal in life? You might have various answers. Most of them would probably, um, well, I'll say it this way. Do we sometimes have the ability to deceive ourselves? We, we can say, oh, this is what means the most to me, but when we step back and look at our actions, it, it really isn't. So maybe a better question would be not to ask you what are your priorities, but to ask what would your neighbors say is your greatest priority? What would your um, children say is your number one priority in life? What, what would the people you work with or go to school with say is the most important thing to you. Priorities are important. And uh, Paul, I think in Second Thess- or First Thessalonians chapter 2, shares with us some priorities. I don't know that that's his intent, but I see from this short chapter some things about him that say these are the things that meant everything to Paul. And uh, not a bad idea to follow that man. Uh, he himself said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, Be followers of me even as I also am of Christ Jesus. And so I want us to look at Paul this morning and see if we can't pick out some priorities in his life and then let's be sure that those are true of our life as well. In Second Thessalonians 2, read with me verses 1 through 4. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit, but we, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. The Apostle Paul revealed a priority in his life here. And that priority is truth. It's the gospel. He said, you know our lives. You know how we live. Man, we have been through it. Do you remember how we were treated at Philippi? Do you remember the conflict that we had? Do you remember the, the, uh, the persecution that we underwent? It wasn't for self-pleasing motives. It wasn't so that we could get ahead. Listen, if we were wanting to, to gain the favor of people, we wouldn't be preaching this message. He reiterated that in 1 Corinthians as well. If you remember verse 15, why do we stand in jeopardy all the day long? If Jesus hasn't risen, why in the world will we preach that he has when it brings so much opposition to us? So Paul says, truth is a priority. God has entrusted us with the gospel. And even if it means persecution, man, we are going to speak the truth. We need to have that kind of resolve. That needs to be one of our priorities in life. Psalm 119 and verse 11, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hidden 
my heart that I might not sin against you. How can we know what is true and what path to pursue if truth isn't a priority to us? I mean, there's so many voices. Man, you take any issue and you have people coming at it from every angle imaginable. How do you know what voice to follow? How do you know what is a true path? We, we need, we need a word from God. And He's given us that in His word. And so now I know. But you know what I know isn't always what's convenient. It isn't always what's easy. It isn't always what's politically correct and what is culturally uh, relevant by our, our culture as they would see it, but it's true. And I can't let anything else get in the way. Paul said, I'll suffer for this truth. We need to have that goal. Do you ever have, um, you know, situations where you're put on the spot and, and if you do the right thing, you'll be made fun of or you'll be ostracized or you'll be counted as, oh, one of them. Are you willing to still speak the truth? You know, we're like the, the people that Paul talked about or the, the writer of Hebrews talked about in, in the book of Hebrews where he said, you know what, you haven't even resisted the blood yet. How hard is it? You haven't, you haven't shed blood for the cause of Christ yet. And, and that's the way it is with us. No one is taking us out and killing us because of our faith. But it has happened. And it is happening. It's not happening to us. So what's our excuse for not prioritizing truth above all things? And let me say this. God, and and I hear people, and I know sometimes people say, well, you know, God says, yeah, to pursue truth. I understand that. But he also says, pursue peace, to be at peace with one another, to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And and unity is something that we're to pursue. So which trumps? You know, if I let this slide, I can get along. And if I stick to this, we're not going to get along. So which one? God loves both. He loves truth and he loves unity. Well, does God prioritize those two? I, th- I think he does. Uh, you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 19 and see that God prioritizes truth and unity when he says, there has to be divisions among you so that those who are faithful can be manifest. You know, that you can get so wrong that in order to still be faithful to God, you have to pull away. You can't be united anymore. So truth is... What takes priority over unity? I can't compromise to get along. I need to stand for truth and let the fallout happen. So Paul was biblical. That was one of his priorities. Let's look at another one. Look at verses 5 through 6. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor do we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Here's what Paul's saying here. We were real. We were authentic. When we came to you, we weren't doing this and we weren't saying this because, um, you know, we get a paycheck. We get a salary. I've heard preachers say, in fact, I know a preacher who wrote a book. And he said, um, you know, I've written this book, and the reason I've written it now is because I've retired, 
And I'm no longer dependent on a paycheck, and so I can say this stuff. That man has no integrity at all. If you believe something to be true and you won't speak it in order to maintain or secure a paycheck, then you don't need to be standing in the pulpits. That lacks integrity. Paul said, listen, when we came to you and we preached truth, it was out of sincerity. We weren't doing it because we were on somebody's payroll. We weren't doing it to please men. We were doing it because, and he says, I, I call God as my witness. We weren't doing it to manipulate people, to, to get ahead. You know, people use religion to manipulate people. Happens all the time. People can be dishonest and, and use godliness, as Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, as a way of gain. That's what they see godliness as. Hey, let's, let's play the game of godliness and we can get ahead. How does that happen in real life? You know, I see the verse, but give me a concrete... Where and when does that ever happen? This last week, um, and nearly every week, somebody will come by saying, I want help, you know. But they come in, bless you, God bless you. And, and they talk in those terms, and they talk all about religion and all about God and bless you this and bless you that, and, and that's the kind of language. But when and if you're not able to do and meet their needs and ha- do exactly what they want you to do, boy, that language goes out the window, and they start using another kind of language that isn't so pleasant, isn't so kind, and isn't so godly. You see, they were using godliness as a way of gain. They were just pretending to be godly to get ahead. And it's not just situations like that, but listen, I can tell you of um, preachers who have stolen, and that's what I'll use, stolen money from churches um, through, through um, well, you know, I'm going to do this. It's not in writing. I can threaten to take the church to court if they don't. And the church not wanting to go to court says, all right, we'll just give it to you. You know, there are stories that, that, that can be told. But it, it's there are people, Christians, followers of Christ, who use Christianity as a way of gain. That's all it is to them. They manipulate people to their own advantage, as Jude says. And so Paul says, number one, I want to be biblical. And number two, I want to be real. I want to be authentic. I am not playing a game here. And, and let me say this too, in, in terms of being authentic. There was a time in my life <clears throat> when I was much younger that I was, I was a good person, but I wasn't fully kicked in. You know, I was going through the motions of religion. I knew the truth, and I knew what I'd been taught, and I knew what my parents were wanting me to do, and and I would do it most of the time. But if I could get by with some things, I'd get by with it. If I if I would, uh, you know, I, I might watch something I shouldn't have watched or listen to something uh, on, on, you know, in terms of albums or whatever. Uh, I might have listened to things that I shouldn't have found entertainment from, and and um, you know, I might have uh, pretended to be more holy than, than I was. 
I, I might have not been fully converted. And, and there was a side of me that, you know, still wanted to laugh at things I really shouldn't be laughing at and to find pleasure and, and entertainment in things that the Lord wouldn't find entertainment in. But there came a day when I decided, you know what, I, I need to be real. I need to be authentic. I can't just play this and then have this, this kind of a thing over here that, that I engage in. And, and uh, I'll tell you, it's liberating to decide you only want one master. Uh, I'm not going to serve two anymore. I'm not going to play this, uh, this, this game where I have God and most of the outward appearances uh, look this way, but then I have a few friends who know this about me, and they know that's a part of my life too. Be real. Paul said, that's one of my priorities. I want to speak the truth, and I want to be absolutely authentic. And then look at this, verses 7 through 11. But we were gentle among you, just as nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are our witnesses and God also. How devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. Here's a third priority I see from this chapter of Paul. He wanted to speak the truth. He wanted to be authentic as he did it. And he wanted to be gentle and gracious in doing it. He uses two examples here. He says, I I wanted to be, and I was like a mother who cherishes her child. We get that imagery. And then he said, oh, not only that, but I wanted to be as a father who um, treats his children. So he pulls mom and dad into this. Do you know how much mom and dad love their kids? That's how much Paul said, I love you all. I wanted to be gentle among you, verse 7. I wanted to affectionately long for you. Verse 8, do you see those terms? I've worked for you laboring night and day so that I wouldn't be a burden to you. Um, He exhorted, he comforted, he charged them as a father would his children. We need to be less abrasive and more gracious in our dealings with people. I know that people can frustrate us, and I know that when we see things that shouldn't be the way they are, sometimes our knee-jerk reaction is to pounce. But what if our first reaction wasn't to pounce, but to save? And I'm not saying that our pouncing isn't motivated ultimately by an effort to save, but it goes back, you know, Edwin was talking last week in Bible class how that The priority of Jesus in John chapter 3 and verse 17 is not to condemn the world, but 
that through the world, through him, the world might be saved. His priority was to save. Doesn't mean he's not going to judge. He will. But his focus is saving. I, I don't want my focus to be, let me find what's wrong with everything. I want my focus to be to save. And in doing that, I will find things that are wrong and we will oppose error wherever it uh, raises its head. But to be gracious and kind, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 says, What does the Lord require? To do justly, get this, to lo- not to practice mercy, to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. To love mercy. I know God is a God who delights in mercy, Micah chapter 7, verse 18. But can we love mercy? You know what that person did? Why they deserve, yeah, I know what they deserve, but can you love giving them what they don't deserve? That's what the Lord calls us to. To do better than what people deserve. To treat people better than the way they deserve. And that is hard. But that's what Paul was trying to do. They needed correcting. And he was one who did it. He said in verse 11, that's what he did. I I wanted to also charge you. I wanted to comfort you. I wanted to exhort you. Um, But there's the idea of being gracious. In James 2 and verse 13, judgment is without mercy to the person who shows no mercy. The greatest gift you can give to yourself is to be gracious and merciful to others because that's how God's going to treat you. And then look at this uh, final thought from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at verses 12 through 13. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you in his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Here's, I think, another thing that Paul made as a priority. He wanted... To be relevant. What's he going to preach about? Is he going to preach about things far away that never have any impact? Or is he going to talk to them about things that they need to know? Is he going to tell truth to them? There there has to be a connection between the way we live and the way we walk. uh, Or the way we teach and the way we, we talk. I'll still get it right here in a minute. The way we walk and the way we talk. How about that? Um, if there's a disconnect there, there's no relevancy in the message. A guy can preach all day long, and if he doesn't live what he preaches, it doesn't connect. You have to be relevant. You have to be uh, authentic. In Romans chapter 2, these Jews, God's people, oh, they could rail on the Gentiles. Man, you see what those guys are doing? And Paul calls them out and says, listen, you're without excuse too because those things that you're condemning them for doing, you're doing the very same things. How do you expect to have any kind of an audience? And how do you expect to have any any kind of integrity uh, and, and any kind of following? Because you're doing the very thing that they're doing. 
you have to have a connection between the way you live and what you preach. And that, I believe, is what Paul was saying. I, you know, we, we came and we wanted and we lived a worthy walk. Verse 11. You see that? Or verse 12. There's a walk that is worthy of God. So not only did he come preaching, but he engaged in the walk of his message. And that's what we need to do as well. Christianity has to become more than just theological arguments to us. It has to become more than just doctrinal positions. It has to be a way of life. We have to be transformed by the life of that Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. And each day we ought to be trying to conform ourselves more and more into his image. That needs to be a priority of ours. And so in this short chapter, at least halfway through the chapter, as we talk about priorities, I wanted you to see some of the things that Paul evidently had as priority in his life. He wanted to be biblical. He wanted to be authentic. He wanted to be gracious. And he wanted to be relevant. Which one of those would you give up on? They're all... That, that, that's what ought to be true of all of us. And so as we go out this week and, and live and interact with people, I hope that they will be able to see, as they look at our lives and as we spend time with them, I, I would hope that they'll be able to look at our lives and say, you know, if I were to tell you what that person is about, it's really not about money, even though we work together. And it's really not about uh, what, what they want to do with their lives and their profession someday down the road. That, that's not what it's about either. I'll tell you what is most... The, the, that person is all about Jesus. He's a follower of Christ. And he lives it. He shows it. It's authentic. It, it, it's real. It's all the time. It's not half time. He's a follower of Jesus. That's what I want to be said of me, and I hope that that's what you want, and I know it is. That's what you want to be said of you. But maybe these things will be a reminder to us to get our lives in order, because people are watching. Heaven and hell hang in the balance for a lot of folks. And and if some people make it, it'll be because of you. And quite frankly, if some people miss it, it may be because of us as well. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a child of God, obey the gospel. Jesus came that you might have life. If you haven't yet surrendered your life to his and to to say, listen, I want to make you Lord of my life, and that means I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Well, he says, turn from your sins and be baptized and come and follow me. If you haven't done that this morning, we, we encourage you to do that. We'll assist you in that. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful, And you need to uh, repent. Maybe the priority in your life has not been Jesus. Maybe you've gotten a little, little distracted. Pray for forgiveness. And God will be faithful and just to forgive you. If you need to come, won't you come as we stand together and sing?